Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. John 10 and 10. The Bible says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And so for just a few moments, I just want to speak what I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart. Perhaps it's just for me, and if it is, if you would just sit back and listen as God talks to me. If you will just lay your Bibles down and let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us this opportunity. Lord, not, a, not just to be in the house, God, but to be in the most important, and that is your presence. We need you now, God, to touch us together. God, help me to say what I feel like you've laid on my heart to say, God. Help me to say it with clarity, Lord, and help us to all receive it, Lord, as the engrafted word of God. Let it become part of us, God. Let it, let it be fruit inside of us that would be bare, God, for you, God. We just praise you for it, Lord, in advance now. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Thank you for standing. The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. It's his primary purpose. That's why he came. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And so for just a few moments, I want to talk to, about that. Life. More abundantly. I think it would be safe to say tonight that we can make the statement, and it would probably be true, that everyone wants to live a good life. Nobody comes in the world wanting to live anything less than a good life. But for some, that would have varying degrees or maybe perhaps definitions. Some would say that a good life would be a life that is lived without failure. Some would say that a life that is lived and is good would be a life that's lived absent of trouble. While some might say that a good life consists of plenty of money or fame, fortune, perhaps a nice house or a car and all their needs met. Few may argue that a good life would be a life lived helping others and that would certainly be a more noble thing. While there are some people that believe that a good life is one that's lived with material extravagance. See, there's 
varying degrees of what many think is good and right. But what is more important to us, and we all know this, is what does the Lord think about all of that? You see, the result of men living their lives according to their own human flesh and their own human eyes have determined what their good life to be is really all just playing out before us as we speak. Each person, each perhaps family has had their own opinion of what is good and right and they've lived that and it has created an upside down view of the world. You see, we are living in the times where good would become evil and evil would be commonplace and wildly accepted and proper behavior among so many. And it's all because man wished to live a good life according to his own terms. That pursuit, that proverbial pursuit of happiness to satisfy this human flesh has caused a chasm. It's called a separation, a divide that's allowed a thief to come in to so many lives and rob them, stealing, killing, and destroying. But Jesus did not come so that I could live a good life. Unfortunately, as, as counter-opportunitive and as counterproductive as that may sound, Jesus Christ did not robe himself in flesh so that I could pursue the American dream or live what the world may call a good life. You see, Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. If I could just put a couple of emphasis on just a couple of words here. He said, I came that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly if I could say it like this he say he said I came that we might have his life not just a life but his life and he said that he would want it to be in abundance that word means in large quantities plentiful you see to merely exist on the earth was not God's intent for my life to only manage to get by was not his goal in coming. Jesus' goal was simply to come and to show what that life could be. He came that he would show what that life could be, what it can be here tonight. He came to show us what that potential, what that purpose, and ultimately what the destination is in a good life. You see, Jesus came to show a life that goes far deeper than things. Jesus came to show us a life that goes far deeper than even our basic needs and what we need to survive. And it certainly, without, without doubt, goes far, far beyond earthly possessions. You see, we've all been given the chance at life. We've all been breathed into us every one of us here tonight are breathing air that has been breathed into us by the almighty God we've been given a chance 
to merely breathe, inhale, and exhale. But God said there's more to it than that. There's more to it than just getting by. There's more to it than just living a natural life. And so all of us have been breathed into us by that breath of life. Perhaps some of us were even born into what would be called a good life, while others may have been born into absolute disarray. You know, some people are born with a proverbial silver spoon in their mouth, while others are born into absolute squander and squalor and poverty. But either way, no matter what life or family you were born into, we all have one common denominator. We all have one thing that has been placed upon our lives that must be eradicated and it must be dealt with and it must be gotten rid of and that is the the sin that the thief brought in originally that created this whole divide in the first place. You see, the original thief came only to kill, only to steal, and only to destroy. That was his only purpose. But Jesus came to facilitate and provide a remedy for the sin that comes about when we are born into this world. You see, we're born into life. <laughs> we're born into a life. But we must be born into his Life, You hear me tonight, we must be, and I know that the majority of us here tonight understand and know this, that we must be born again. We were born into a sinful world, into sinful flesh, and Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He reiterated again, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter in to the kingdom of God. There has not there has there needs to be no commentary on that. It is it is black and white. It's a simple structure. You're either born again or you're not. You're either in this or you're not. You said Jesus said if you're going to enter in there is only one way. If you're going to get into this there's only one specific door. In just one scripture before that in G in John 10 and 9 Jesus said, "I am the door, and by me if any man enter in, he shall be saved." But hear this, and shall go in and out. And find pasture. And so, if we are going to live, there's only one way to live. And I'll explain. You see, John's perspective in this gospel account is very unique. While Matthew and Mark and Luke emphasize the events. In the life of Jesus, John emphasizes the meaning of these events. Let me just give one example for that. Most of the, of the accounts of the Gospels account for the feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus fed 5,000 men, women, and children with just two loaves of bread and just a few fish. They all give account for that, but John's gospel contains the sermon that followed. Now that's not to say that Matthew, Mark, and Luke didn't have a clue 
But John's perspective is unique. He follows that event with words from God that says, this is the reason why I did what I did. He said, I am the bread of life. You see, he followed up his actions with commentary, if you please, words that described everything he did and stated the reason for it. It's throughout John's book, it's throughout his account, that he has many more of these I am moments. I am, I am, over and over again. You see, John places much emphasis not only that Jesus did certain things, but he places the emphasis on the spotlight that only that, that Jesus did certain things, but also why he did what he did. And he explained more of who he was. You see, John emphasizes the plan and the purpose of God through the life of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going somewhere. John gives us accounts of not only what he did, but John tells us more in living color who he is, why he came, and his absolute purpose. You see, John, more than any other gospel writer, places more majority and more emphasis on the Holy Ghost and on the Spirit of God. While he portrays the teaching, the ministry, the actions, and the reactions of Jesus Christ, he shows us what it looks like to be both spirit-filled and spirit-led. And so we've been born into a life. And perhaps if we've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with his spirit, we've been born again into his life. But my question here tonight is, are we living that life? Are we doing what he did and are we living how he lived? You see, John begins not only to tell us what he did, but John begins to show us what that abundant life really is. You see, there's a reason for all of this. There's a reason why John pens his words in the way that he does. You see, John, he's had some time to think about what he's about to write. John writes his gospel some years beyond Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And his perspective is of a man who has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost at Pentecost. He's seen the church be born and he's seen the church persevere through absolute hardship and calamity. And this, this is why he places so much emphasis on the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the infilling of his spirit and the leading of his spirit. You see, John, he's had some, he's had some paths to walk down. He's had some, 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 some things to go around. He's had some, some, some some things that he's had to get over. He's seen the church when it's been high. He's seen it when it's been low. And he's come through all of this knowing one 
central truth and it is the same for us here tonight. He understands that if I am going to tell them what they need to know, I have got to spotlight, I have got to pinpoint, I have got to put everything on this one central truth. We need the Holy Ghost more than anything else in this life. John understands that we here, if we're going to make it, we have got to be both filled and led by the Spirit. You see, if we don't have Him, there will be no victory. If we don't have the Spirit of God, there will be no triumph. If we don't have the absolute unadulterated Spirit of God, there will be no peace, there will be no revelation, and there will be no prophetic insight or protection from the enemy that surround us. Hear me tonight, we simply, as individuals and as a church, we cannot live without the Holy Ghost working in our midst. We need the power and the presence of an almighty God not just to come and make me feel those Holy Ghost goosebumps, but it's got to be something more than that. You see, the Bible calls the Holy Ghost the Spirit of Christ. He is our seal unto the day of redemption, the earnest of our inheritance, our rest, the comforter, the spirit of adoption, the living water and power from on high. Can I tell you tonight, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, however you want to name that, is everything. That's what that means. He is the Spirit of Christ. He is our seal unto the day of redemption. He is our earnest for our inheritance. He is the reason why we're here, the living water and the power from on high. We sang it tonight. We welcomed him here. We need you. We need the living water to give us what we need in this hour but hear me tonight the spirit of God and the infilling of the Holy Ghost I've said it before but let me say it again it's not just to make me feel good about myself and it's not really even just a ticket out of here when God comes back for his church I'm thankful for the infilling of his spirit that's going to call me home when he calls us out but I'm even more thankful that what the what the God of heaven living inside of me can give me right here and right now. I don't have to wait until that last trump sounds for me to feel the tugging of my heart and the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for life, but I want to live abundant life. And so how do we do that? We must, hear me, we must not only be spirit-filled, but we must be spirit-led. John begins his gospel by showing us Jesus came not only to provide that, but he came to provide light and life. John 1, 4 through 5 says, In him was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not you see John parallels creation here to show us that God would not only speak into creation the world into existence but how God would come in the in the sinful flesh of man to speak salvation into existence you see in the beginning the earth was without form and the earth was void and it was darkness it covered all of the face of the deep but through all of that God spoke let there be light 
light and there simply was light. The world was without form in the beginning and through sin can I tell you tonight that our lives were, were without form and they were void in our beginning but God spoke into us that salvation. God spoke into us uh, uh, eternal life. Jesus Christ stepped on to the scene in human flesh. He steps down and he shines that light into the darkness. And just like on that first morning where God said, let there be light, the, the light just appeared. The Bible says that when he came, he showed the light and the light or the darkness comprehended it not. Just like on that first day when his, his, his creative and prophetic voice spoke and brought all all of that into existence the darkness had no choice but to expel and to leave and so when Jesus Christ steps on to the scene he shines that light and the darkness has no choice but to leave but to expel and to get out of the way <laughs> I heard somebody say just a couple of days ago I was listening to somebody preach and he said you know in this dark world we need the light of God we must have the light of God. But when we walked into this building, whoever came into this building and turned the lights on in the house, they didn't have to come in here and tell the darkness, get out of, get out of here, darkness. They didn't have to open their mouth and say, get out of here, darkness. We don't need you in here. All they had to do was walk over and flip a switch, and the light came on. And what happened to the darkness? It just disappeared. It just dispelled. I'm here to tell you tonight that if you'll just turn on that light that's inside of you, it doesn't matter what's coming against you. It don't matter how, many, how much darkness is around you. If you'll just turn on the light, it'll dispel the darkness. And so light equals life. And so if you don't have the light, you simply cannot attain life. And because Jesus equals light, it's simple. But if you don't have him, you don't have life. You don't have anything. You see, there's four essentials for human life. Light, air, food, and water. John represents Jesus as being all of these things. In John 8 and 12, he said he is the light of the world. In John 20 and 22, he said he is the breath of life through his spirit. John 4 and 14, he is the water of life. John 6 and 35 says that he is the breath of life. And Jesus in John 10 and 10 said, I have come that they might have that life and that they might have it more abundantly. Everything you need, everything that you need in your life, God can provide it. He can be your light. He can be your life. He can give you food when you're hungry. He can give you direction when you're lost. He can be everything in your life so the thief cometh not but for to steal to kill and destroy but Jesus said my purpose is to give life in all its fullness his purpose was to save us but more than that his purpose was to fill us and to lead us into purposeful meaningful and fulfilling life not just get by not just scrape the surface 
not just walk on the edge or the fringe or the outer areas but to get right straight in the middle of everything that he is doing. I don't know about you, but I want to be right in the middle of everything that God is doing in this hour. I don't want to sit back and let someone else do it for me, but I want God to lead me. You see, it's through series of God actions and reactions that we begin to see John's gospel show us Jesus live out and show us how to live and he shows us what it looks like to really be spirit-filled and spirit-led. And so we must pay special attention to the snapshots that John provides in his gospel. We would not be able to exhaust this and so this is just a few. John 1, John the Baptist reveals his deity which is Revelation. John 2, Jesus purges the temple, looks a whole lot like repentance and cleaning things out. John 3, Jesus reveals salvation to Nicodemus, revealing baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. John 4, it goes beyond when Jesus converses with a Samaritan woman at a well breaking through tradition. In John 5, Jesus heals the man at the pool of Bethesda, showing what evangelism and ministry really look like. Jesus did have a healing ministry. Jesus did tell people to get up and take up your bed. This business that God is not healing anymore in this day is an outright lie from hell. God is still healing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he is still pouring out his spirit. While Jesus frequently spoke to the multitudes, we see him more often than not spending considerable time in one-on-one -on -one situations. John's gospel accounts repeatedly reveal such instances where Jesus' travels were not haphazard, but they were in fact divine appointments Jesus did not do anything arbitrarily everything he did every word that is recorded he did it for a reason and so today if we are going to be spirit-filled and spirit-led, if we are going to live the way he wants us to live, if we are going to be real disciples of Jesus Christ, this must be what our lives look like. We must be spirit-filled and we must be spirit-led and our lives must be filled with divine appointments. David said the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And so to be spirit-filled, we are empowered for a purpose. But hear me, to be spirit-led is to walk toward and into that purpose. Let me say that again. It's not enough just to be spirit-filled. So this is where I'm going to turn spiritually and talk to me. It's not enough to come here on Sundays and feel the divine power of God and not take it out those doors and let someone else feel it emanating from your life. 
And so to be spirit-filled is to be empowered for the purpose. But it does absolutely no good if you don't put one foot in front of the other and ask God to lead you and guide you into that purpose. He said, you are a chosen generation and you are mandated to show forth the praises of the one who has brought you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 through 20, Paul said we have been given a ministry of reconciliation and we are ambassadors and representatives of Jesus Christ. And so it does absolutely no good for me to come here in my suit and tie on Sunday and feel the divine power of God in my life and then not let God lead me and guide me toward other people to reconcile them back to God. That's why he came. The Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And so if we have him on the inside of us, are we really reconciling people back God you see we are a chosen generation I believe that with all of my heart not one of us in here is insignificant in the kingdom of God and we have been called for this hour in particular we have been called to be both spirit filled and spirit led hear me to do two very important things. To reveal truth and to confirm truth. You see, God didn't save any one of us just to save us for the sake of saving us. But there is a reason and an abundance. There is a reason and a purpose for the life that he has given us. You see, the thief came to rob mankind of an opportunity with Jesus Christ. But Jesus came in human flesh to restore that relationship. In John 4, the Bible says he must, needs go through Samaria. In this particular instance, it is absolute one of great importance. You see, Jesus broke through tradition. He broke through what, what was the norm. He broke through what, what was the, the commonplace thing to do, which was to go around that city. But Jesus said, I've got to go through the middle of it because I've got a divine appointment with someone and in a city that multitudes of Jews had avoided. It was the Spirit and it was the purpose of God that drove him to minister to helpless and hurting people. It was the Spirit of God that drove him to give hope to the hopeless. And it was not something that fell into his lap. He got up every morning with his mind on his business and said, I gotta go through Samaria because I've got someone that I need to talk to. He made intentional steps to make contact with people that had already been forgotten and had already been discarded. He made intentional steps I battled with this today, and he's not here, so I think I'm good. But not my, my intent to embarrass anyone, but I just couldn't get this off my mind. Sunday afternoon, 
loaded up together. And we made intentional steps. And I'm not, I'm not boasting for me. But we made a concerted effort to go into a place that other people would, would deem un, unnecessary. That other people would deem a, a place that they wouldn't want to go. Step foot in. We went into a place among people that had otherwise been forgotten and had been discarded. But I watched as one man stood behind a pulpit and walked in the Spirit of God and ministered not to just one, but a, a multitude of men. And can I tell you that one of those men were me. Brother Jerry spoke with, with great authority on his life. He spoke with the authority of the Holy Ghost his life and he ministered to the hurting and he ministered to the broken and men could find a way to God through that so I asked the question are we making intentional steps are we walking in intentional has are we putting one foot in front of the other I know that we all have issues and I know that we all have hang ups I know that we all have real world problems but hear me tonight most of them are first world problems they're not third world problems but they're first world problems and I'm telling you tonight that if we have ever lived for God if we have ever done anything for God we better do it now and we better do it in a hurry and we better do it with gladness and we better do it in the, in the spirit and the purpose of God I know I know that I stand here with people here tonight myself being the chief one who was lost and dying and headed to a devil's hell but some people made intentional steps to walk into my path and say boy you better turn around boy you better do right you better get right you better do right they spoke the truth but they spoke it in love they made intentional steps and I'm wondering if I've gathered here with people tonight I don't have to wonder I know that I gathered here with people tonight that, that literally stood in the same boat where you were lost and you were dying but somebody stepped into your path and said there is a better way and I can show you how to get there. If you're thankful for that, why don't you clap your hands to the Lord and shout with a voice of triumph. So when we are spirit-filled and when we are spirit-led, we submit to the leading of his spirit. We embark on a journey and an opportunity to walk in a realm that is contrary to this world. As we submit our lives to him and allow him to, to lead us and guide us as the spirit drives and as the spirit draws it was also that spirit in God 
that, that, that God in Christ that would draw people unto him. And when they were in his presence, truth was both revealed and truth was confirmed. You see, Nicodemus met him in the darkness of night. And that man needed an answer in his life. He came to him in the cloakness of darkness to avoid being seen by his colleagues. But the Lord did not rebuke him. He did not send him away with his tail tucked between his legs. He simply ministered to his need and confirmed in Nicodemus what he was already feeling in his life. Hear me tonight. The woman who was caught in the act of adultery that was brought unto him so that they could catch him in a lie so that they could stone her to death did not find condemnation but she found mercy and she found grace and more importantly she found direction for her life. It was through those actions and it was through those reactions of him that we see what it really truly means to have abundant life. It was a life that exuded from him. It was a life that overflowed into other lives. People were drawn to him for a reason because the eternal God of heaven was robed in flesh. And so if we are filled with the spirit of God, if we are filled truly with the spirit of the almighty God, then that same spirit that dwelled in him dwells in us. And so I ask you, is it drawing? Is it driving? Is it doing what it's supposed to do in your life? They were drawn unto him. They came unto him for direction and they came unto him because they knew something was about to occur. A dispensational change was a coming. A dispensational change was about to occur. You see, the air was saturated with it. It was from the moment that John the Baptist exclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. People knew that something was about to happen. And Jesus' actions and his reactions to situations caused those multitudes to come unto him and he ministered unto them. I'm telling you today that just like that day, a dispensational change is right around the corner. I believe it with all of my heart. Something is about to happen. God is about to come home for his church. And so is his spirit leading us? Is his spirit drawing us? Is it pushing us to do what he's called us to do? Jesus understood his mission and we must also understand the mission and the mandate that's been placed upon us. Remember, I said before he said if any man enter by me if any man comes in by me he will go in and he will go out and he will find pasture is it any wonder that in Matthew Jesus said go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost that's not names that's one name and that name is Jesus and, and he said teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even unto the end of the world amen can I tell you tonight that word nations does not mean uh, perhaps geographically so much as it does it means race it means a different set of people by implication he said Gentiles or heathen this is what he was saying go you therefore and teach all races anybody 
somebody and everybody. They don't have to look like you. They don't have to talk like you. Their culture might be different than yours, but you have to go and you have to teach them a better way. The fact of the matter is, we don't have to travel halfway around the world to find nations of people. We don't have to travel in a plane. We don't have to get on a boat. Most of us can walk right down Main Street and we can see those other nations in before us. See, the infilling the Holy Ghost was not for us to find a padded pew and wait for the rapturing of the church. The gift of God, the eternal God, is meant to drive us, it's meant to draw us toward hungry people. The Spirit of God on the inside of me. It's not there to make me feel better about myself. I'm thankful that my sins were washed away. I'm thankful that I'm forgiven. But I've got a mission. I've got a mandate that's upon my life. And is it drawing people unto me? And am I taking the right steps toward them? Are we prepared to enter into the greatest hour that the church has ever known. If you are not, then you have grossly missed the boat because we are already there. We are already in the middle of the greatest hour that the church has ever known. The book of Acts has quadrupled and in the book of Acts has expounded into where we are today. We're, we're, we're thankful for the foundation. We're thankful for what's back there. But God said, greater things shall you do. And those that know their God shall do exploits. And so I believe tonight that we are on one of the greatest dispensational changes that this world has ever known. And if we really believe what we teach and what we preach, if we really believe what the Bible says, there are going to be some that are going to be called up to meet him in the air while others are going to be left. He said two will be in the bed and one will be taken. He said two will be on the housetop and one will be taken. One will be taken while the other is left. And so are we doing everything that we can to tell them there is a better way. There is a change coming. There is something better for your life. If we have ever walked in the Spirit this day and age, we must walk in the Spirit of God and we must be led to those who are hungry. We must, hear me, we must be prepared with a ready answer when those paths intersect. And they will intersect. I'll close if our musicians will come. I want to tell you a story I read recently. The story of Riddy. Riddy and her husband Ben. The story begins 
came to the apostolic faith and truth of God's word through God actions. See, Riddy was raised Hindu, while Ben was raised in a denominational Christian home. After marrying Ben, Riddy became interested in Christianity. So they began attending a rather large non-denominational church in Atlanta. As Riddy's hunger for Jesus grew, so did her questions. However, the members and the leaders at the church they were attending never seemed to have the answers. The final frustration came when Riddy received the revelation that baptism was an important part of being Christian. She inquired about baptism at the church and was informed she could be added to the list of those awaiting baptism at the baptismal service later that year. Asking about the baptismal formula, Riddy was troubled to hear they would not baptize her in Jesus' name as she had read in the Bible. Ben and Riddy requested a meeting with the local pastor to discuss the questions they had about baptism. Their, their request was denied. Frustrated, Riddy began to share her experience with a co-worker who was apostolic. And a meeting was arranged for her to be baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ for the remission of her sins. Ben, Riddy, and their daughter began attending a Bible study of a local pastor. Soon after, Riddy was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But it didn't end there. See, soon after, the Lord began to deal with Riddy began to deal with her to remove her lifetime collection of idols from her home. And so one evening, she tossed every one of them in a trash bin and rolled them to the street for collection the following morning. This is very, very interesting. While lying in bed that night, she could hear them calling to her let us come back inside you're throwing away your heritage obviously she left them there and they were taken away she was later quoted as saying I had worshipped those gods my entire life and that was the first time that I had ever heard them speak to me but the story doesn't end there. You see, the following spring, Riddy's sister, Deepti, came to visit her. And Riddy began to share her experience and what God had done in her life. And while visiting, Deepti was baptized 
in Jesus' name and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Later, Deep T and Riddy, their mother visited Deep T in the city that she lived in and her mother was baptized in Jesus' name. And her mother was later filled with the Holy Ghost on a Skype call from India with her daughters as they prayed for her over the internet. Riddy and Ben are now key leaders in their local church and are working in the kingdom of God. Can I tell you tonight as we stand together that this is life and this is life more abundantly. That's what it looks like. That's what it ought to be. Filled with the Spirit, led of the Spirit, and the Spirit of God overflowing into other lives. Can I tell you tonight, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that there are more riddies on the other side of that door who are yet to come. There are more people like her out there right now. There are countless others who are being drawn by the Spirit of God and they are receiving a revelation of who He is and what He wants for their lives Hear me tonight. I simply don't want to just live the good life. I simply don't want to just live a good life. I'm thankful that my needs are met. I'm thankful that my bills are paid. And I'm thankful that I have a roof over my head. But there's more. There's more. There's more. There's lives that we have yet to pour into. There are intersections that are yet to happen. And my question is tonight, are we doing what what we are supposed to be doing is my life filled with the Spirit of God and am I led by the Spirit of God ordered steps allowing Him to work in my life because when those intersections collide are we going to be that person that that person would feel comfortable sharing their experience with I, I, I've been reading my Bible and I've just been feeling something I, I don't know what it is but I, I read this about baptism in Jesus name but uh, everybody else says that I can just be baptized uh, and, and I don't really have to I can if I want to but but what do I need to do are we going to have a ready answer for them to say this is what the word says and thus saith the Lord for your life are we going to be the people that have called and been called by God and led by God let's lift our hands Let's lift our hands. Come on, let's lift our hands right now. Come on, don't, don't worry about who's next to you. Don't worry just for the next few moments what's going on after this service. But let's just take a few moments with the Lord and allow Him to sink something down in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, we need you right now, God. We need your spirit to touch us. We need your word, God, to minister to us right now, God, to help us to be who you've called us to be. In Jesus this message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. 
We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.